Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for um, this opportunity to address your church. Lord, that we are uh, part of the body of Christ, and you are the head. And I just, I ask, Lord, this morning that, um, that I could be yielded to what you desire to be said at this moment, uh, to bring uh, strength and comfort and edification and correction if need be. Lord, I pray for your anointing that I could yield my flesh and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and deliver a word that would encourage us in this time. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says that we're all um, sojourners, which means that we're, this is not our home. We're passing through. We're just passing through. We're, we're, this is uh, temporary. I remember reading a book years ago, and they said there was a guy that he saw on a plane, and he's sitting next to him, and um, like in first class, and he's sitting there, and he's all comfortable. He's got a robe on, he's got his slippers on, and he's you know just surrounded by all these accoutrements, and you know just totally comfortable. And the guy looked at him and like this is kind of weird, and he goes, "Well, this is where I live." And he goes, you don't live here. You're just using this as a mode of transportation to where you're going to get to. And I thought about that, that that's really what this life is. You know, we like to uh, dig in here and, you know, make it all about this. But in reality, this is like I even said last week, this is very transient, this life here. And God has given us an opportunity and... He's opened up our eyes, those of you, uh, of us who have accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior, has opened up our eyes to the reality of that, and that we have eternal life now, that the Holy Spirit has come into our heart. It says that He's sealed us for that day of redemption. And yet, you know, death is still an enemy. You know, it, it, Jesus conquered death at the cross. He, he vanquished death at the cross. And yet it's an uncertain thing. You know, we've uh, not done that before. It's an uncertain thing of what that's going to be. But we can take the Lord at his word that he has conquered uh, sin and death on our behalf. And he's conferred that victory upon each one of us here. Um, you know, in the starting chapters of Hebrews, it's talking about Christ's position. You know, who is Christ? Positionally, it's his God's only begotten son. And as Jesus walked the earth, the things that he would talk about would challenge people who didn't understand who he was. And um, when you get to see who Jesus is, it's an amazing revelation. You know, that he is God's only begotten son, that he and the Father uh, are in relationship. Uh, You know, Jesus said that he had the ability to forgive sin on the earth. And people wanted to stone him to death because you being a man, making yourself equal to God. And people didn't understand. And it says in the word of God that Jesus, like last week I said, that after he vanquished sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Sat down. And that means that it's a completed work. It's done. I, I, I completed that task. And now he's living to make intercession for each one of us as we walk this out. We take that victory and manifest it in tangible ways here on the earth. 
And um, I want to read this in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, uh, Therefore, which is what preceded that was talking about this preeminence of Christ and his only God, God's only begotten son that he says he didn't give uh, aid to the angels, but he's giving aid to us as our savior. So uh, chapter two starts off with, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression of disobedience received the just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, at which had first been began spoken of by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God, who bearing witness both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So God didn't only um, send his Son, um, send his Holy Spirit, but he confirmed it with miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, we got that back table over there, and uh, we took the gift test, and each one of us here has a gift that we can offer to the body of Christ for the edification of one another and for the outreaching to other people who don't know Christ. This is, the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are his manifested body. You know, the fact that there's people stepping up right now to uh, comfort the Kalina family and send them food. That's an evidence of Christ within this church. Christ within his body reaching out and doing tangible things. You know, when, when this service takes place here in Halimali, I pray, you know, I, I remember heart, uh, Lawrence's heart was, please, Lord, let this church start in Halimali. That was his heart because he had such a love for the people that lived here. That was, his, that was Lawrence's heart. You know, and so he wanted uh, a, a representative of Christ and his church here. And I remember him saying that when he was a child, you know, being a Filipino coming from a, a Catholic background, you know, and even, you know, us being Portuguese, we come from a Catholic background. But he said he would come here and they had a, a group that would meet uh, called Good News Club. And Lawrence would come to that. He would come to that Good News Club. And he said the reason why he came is because they used to give out cookies and I wanted a cookie. <laughs> But he got the gospel instead. He got the good news of Jesus Christ is the Savior of mankind. That he died for our sins. That um, he, that you, you, when you place your faith upon him, you get born again. And I know that something took place in Lawrence's young life, regardless of how, how much he understood. Something transpired, and the gospel seed went into his heart, and it made a difference. And his life went on from there. Now, I know the uh, Lawrence's life, like the most of us, is colorful. We have our ups and downs. We have their comings and goings. But there came a point in his life where he got serious with God. And it was evident, like I said, that night on his passing to see his son, what was passed on. The most important thing was passed on to his son in such a, I mean, I would just stood back and I was like, wow, wow. And even Brandy, when she came in, she was very strong. Uh, Micaiah was strong. I got to say they were, this family was strong because of their foundation in Christ, you know, um, I remember Brandy years ago said something, and I shared this yesterday at her house. She said something that really made me ponder. You know, when we go through life, and, you know, I like that song. It says, I beg your pardon. I've never promised you a rose garden. You know, along with the sunshine, there's going to be some rain sometime. You remember that song from the 70s? And uh, this is life. You know, life is not just a static. It's, it's got its ups. It's got its downs. But we know that Christ is consistent. 
He's constantly for us. He's for us. He's not against us. Like Pastor Tyler, I'm accused of the same thing as you. Sometimes I'm scowling. I'm not mad. I guess that's my natural look sometimes. I'm thinking. But like my wife, we take pictures. She does like, like, even when I preach before, I'd be up here concentrating so hard. She goes, (laughs) smile. My daughter, the time that I was teaching the youth group, after I was okay, Heather, what's the critique? She goes, Dad, you gotta just relax, man. You gotta relax. You're scaring these kids. <laughs> but we know the goodness of God. God is good and He loves us, you know. And yet there's experiences we go through. You know, it's it's like Pastor Tyler said, I was I was like, Man, what am I gonna say? You know, I mean I was all spending time with the Lord these past few days, you know, from the passing of Lawrence and, and there's a part of me that's just uh, he ran his race, he he left a great testimony. In fact, when I see a great man of God or a person, a woman of God, Lay who went on, uh, you know, Linnea, I mean not Linnea, uh, Stephanie, I'm sorry, Linnea. Yeah, but moves on and, and you're almost envious of them because you're like man they did their thing they did their they left their testimony they left a legacy and you're like wow I remember my cousin died that's how I felt about it you know he had people testifying of his life and I'm thinking wow you know they, they, they ran their course they did their race and they're entering into that glory that the Lord promised which is true and this is this is you know it is a struggle this is a struggle. He calls it a, it's like a it's like a race. And and it's not it's not like a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, and, and you're you're down to the twenty-second mile and Pastor Tasha knows what that feels like, and your lung, your lungs are burning, your legs are on fire, and you're you're seeing I, I'm close to that finish line. I can't quit now. And then once you do it, I did that. Hallelujah. That's what it says. It says we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses that's watching us and they're cheering us on from the heavenly grandstands. Don't give up, saints. Keep going. Keep going. I think we're very close as we look at the world events going on. I think we're very close to the rapture of the church. And some people even stop preaching that. They're like, oh, I don't want to preach about the rapture. We should have been raptured already. The rapture of the church is a doctrine that's true. That the Lord says that he's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. And it's not to say that we're not going to go through some heavy stuff before that takes place. But he says a rapture means to to, uh, violently grasp or to pull out of harm's way before it gets really bad. That's what he's promised in his word. First and Second Thessalonians talks about this. You know that it says uh, he says that when you begin to see the things that we're seeing in the world right now, you know famines and wars and earthquakes and rumors of wars and tribulation and you know just craziness. It says, "Lift up your eyes, look up, because your redemption draweth nigh." And that's where we need to be focused on. We need to keep our eyes on the goal. Okay, Lord, this is where we're headed. And not only that. But we can be an impact to those around who don't have this hope in their heart, who don't understand these things, who don't have a, a, a bright outlook for the future. Because if you're just watching the news, it don't look so good. 
You know, there's something that took place recently. And, you know, people have been talking about this for years. But I don't know if you heard that that red heifer was, you know, it's, it's been birthed. And they've been breeding this animal. And they said they delivered, like, I think it was four or five of them to Israel recently. And it's like, what is the red heifer? What is that? According to the Bible, it was an animal that was necessary for the cleansing of the temple. It had to be a red heifer without any blemish, without any different color hair. Just absolute, absolutely pure red. And it says at two years of age, two years in one day, you slaughter that animal and you burn it with hyssop and a scarlet and all these prescribed things that are in the word. And you take those ashes and they're used for the cleansing of the implements of the temple. They haven't had a red heifer since the time of Christ. And all of a sudden now they're watching this thing. And it's like I said, it's about eight months, nine months old right now. And they've got to wait till it's two years and one day old. And if no blemish, no hair shows up on this, but they actually transported these animals from Texas where they were bred and brought them into Israel. And they're very excited about these things. And that's just one sign. There's all many, so many other things. They said that they have all the implements we were studying the tabernacle in the bible all the implements are pre-made the stones are cut they could really construct this thing pretty quickly this temple and that's prophetic because it says that there's coming a time uh in about a midpoint of the tribulation or that what really actually kicks off the tribulation period was the antichrist is going to allow the jews to go back and make this thing make this temple and in the middle of that uh, covenant they're going to break it and this antichrist character this person who's uh, opposed to christ is going to come in and say i'm really god worship me so if these things are happening we're seeing these things taking place in the real world then know that it's near his his coming is near even at the doors right now and so they should have a way of focusing our attention on what's eternal what's important what's lasting what's true and these things are true who could have predicted something like that 2,000 years ago or thousands of years before that these didn't even exist and now they're coming into focus in this time of our history right now as well as so many other things that I can't even mention them that are happening right now. You know, the tensions that are going on there. So we must give the more earnest heed lest we drift away. Um, God has borne witness to his word with various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And then I want to jump down uh, to verse 8. Or, uh, it says, for, he, for in that he has put all in subjection under him, under Christ, and he's left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see the things put under him, under Christ, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for suffering and death, crowned with glory and honor, and he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. You know, you hear that. What do you mean he was made a little lower than the angels? When Jesus came as a man, he took a major demotion in order to do this. He was with the Father, eternal, forever and ever and ever. And he says, okay, uh, we have a plan of redemption here. I'm going to come as a man. I'm going to take on this form of flesh. I'm going to veil my glory in this flesh. And he says he allowed himself to be made a little lower than the angels for suffering and death for us so that he could feel all the things that we go through. He could suffer all the temptations, all the trials, all the, 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 the stuff that we got to go through. He could, that he would be a great high priest, that he could sympathize with our weakness and yet without sin. 
That was God's plan. So something happened in history close to 2,000 or 2,000 years ago where he incarnated, he came as a man, God in flesh. And the reason being the, the infraction or the sin that plunged us into the condition that we're at. This is not the world that God created right now. This is a corrupted version of what God created. This is a fallen planet. People like to shake their fists and say, I have some questions for God. If God was this, this, and this, why this? Why war? Why famine? Why abuse for kids? Why this? This is not the world that God created. This is, not, this is a corrupted version. This is a sin infection was inserted into this. It was like a virus in a computer program. And here we are now at the end of the program. This is a mess. Look at this. And God says, I got a, I got a, a, a program that's going to deprogram this. And it's going to straighten this thing out. So when we look at the condition, God gets the rap a lot of times. And it wasn't him who did this. It was the devil that came in here. And it was mankind that agreed with the devil. And there we have the condition that we live in right now. So since mankind was the one who had the authority over this planet, then God says in order to rectify that, mankind has to be the redeemer of this. He has to be the one who redeems it. So God incarnates in flesh like man, tempted all ways that, like we were, and yet without sin, and conquered the devil at the cross. Verse 11, it says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That Jesus took on the form of mankind, and he calls us brothers. You know, that as we're in Christ, that we're part of him now. You know, because he incarnated... And it says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praises to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children of God, um, the children whom God has given me. That's right here. Jesus is here. He says, here I am and the children that my father has given to me. This is my body. This is the church. Verse 14, And as much as the children have partaken in flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, that he might be the merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God and make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is also able to aid those who are being tempted. So he became man so that he could sympathize with us with every condition. And yet he conquered sin in the flesh and he confers this victory upon us. And he says, if you have faith in what I did, you are partaker of eternal life. You are part of my body. You don't have to fear death anymore. In reality, as a Christian, we should not fear death. And yet in reality, who says, well, I'm not afraid to die. You know, it's still there, but we know that when it's to be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. It's still there because we never died before, right? right? But you hear people who did die in Christ or they went and they go, whoa, I don't fear death anymore because I saw that there's such peace on the other side in Christ that when I was there, he met me. 
he was the one who grabbed me and took me in. And you, you see your family members who died in faith. And whatever, you know. And how much stock can you put in that? I'm not going to go beyond what the scriptures say. I know that Paul said that he saw paradise. He saw glory. And he says, there was stuff that I saw. It's, it's not even lawful for me to write about. It was so glorious. It says in Corinthians, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the thing which God has prepared for those who love him. It's going to be good. That much we know. It's reserved for us in heaven. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That he's, it's, it's a good thing. It's like, man, I could use some of that inheritance here now. But I think it's, I mean, it is. There is a promise that he does take care of our needs here. But the bulk of it is reserved for us in heaven. Where it says rust can't get to. Thieves cannot steal. It cannot be stolen. You know, it cannot be corrupted. It's reserved for us in heaven. And Lawrence is partaking of that right now. He's seen it as like, wow, I had no idea. I really it couldn't even conceive how glorious this is. And that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. And I believe that it's screaming down the tracks at us right now. That this reality is coming into focus very quickly. With the fact that they're talking about going digital with our money and cashless. And all these things are written about through the prophetic word, through the book of Revelation, these things are happening. And, ah, they've always talked about that. Where's the promise of his coming? Even that's prophetic when people say that. They said that scoffers in the last, when is he going to come back? I don't believe that. No, it's coming. He's coming. I'm reading stuff. on. The, I, I look at clips in there, and I love to read the comments of that. And other Christians, other believers who feel it in their spirit, they go, man, something is going on. I feel it, man. Have you had a hard time sleeping recently? Or just feel stirred at night. I got to pray. Or you get up earlier than you're normally used to. I believe that stirring of the Holy Spirit. It's like church get ready. Get ready. I'm coming. I'm coming. We have a glorious inheritance waiting for it. We have nothing to fear. But we do have a message that the world needs. We do have a message that the world needs. And most of them don't know. I think if you knew this, why wouldn't you participate in this? Why wouldn't you be you know, wanting to be a part of this? Especially as this world, it's like we're screaming down the tracks on a train. And, a, you know, I don't know how many hundred or you know, hundred yards or miles or whatever down the track. You look, the bridge is out, man. The bridge is out. But God says, I have a solution for that. I'm going to snatch my church out of here right before the destruction, right before it comes. I'm taking my church out. That's what the word uh, rapture, it means a violent snatching away from an impending catastrophe. That's what the word harpazo, rapture in the, in the Latin, harpazo in the Greek. That's what it means, a violent catching away, right at the last moment when it looks like, it's almost like an Indiana Jones movie. There's no way out of this now. Harpazo, boom, taken out of the way. Hallelujah. Jesus is watching over us. He's watching over his church. He's given us a glorious, glorious inheritance. He's, you know what the, the amazing thing that it says in the book of Ephesians? It's God sees us already seated in heavenly places. He sees us seated in heavenly places. It's done already. I, you're sealed by my Holy Spirit. You got a reservation. There's a, there's a reservation. You ever went to a really fancy party? You know, one time we went to a wedding in Atlanta. And it was in the summer, and somebody asked, why are you going to Atlanta in the summertime? It was in July, or July in Atlanta, man, that place is hot Atlanta. And uh, 
We said, because we got invited, and we heard that this wedding is going to cost $100,000, and they never went to a $100,000 wedding before. So we're going. And so we went, and it was worth the trip, you know. It was a friends of ours. Their, um, their daughter was getting married to somebody of note in, in Atlanta. And, man, they treated us well because we came all the way from Hawaii. So we were invited to the, you know, the, the what was that, the rehearsal dinner. We were, the, the dinner before the rehearsal dinner, the rehearsal dinner, the brunch after the rehearsal dinner, and the wedding. And it was like, wow, it was fantastic, man. But at one of those events, you go to the thing, and the, and the venue was just like, wow, it looked like, a, a, looked like a palace or something, you know, with just columns and, you know, foofy stuff hanging from the ceiling and all lighting. And when you sit down, you got your name there. This is reserved for Mr. and Mrs. Freitas, and you got your name on the table. We have that already waiting for us in heaven. We're reserved. We got a table reserved for us in heaven. Hallelujah. You know, I've said this many times, and I just, my imagination is like, there's going to be a wedding feast in heaven. That Jesus says, when he was here on the earth, he gave, he did the communion the last time with his disciples. He says, I will not partake of the fruit of the vine again until I do it with you anew in my kingdom. I'm not going to, I'm abstaining from this until we're all back together as my massive family, my Christian, my body is gathered together in heaven. And this is where we're going to celebrate this consummation. We're going to celebrate. And in my mind, what I see is just this massive, just like going out and you can't even see the end of it, but just maybe even over hills, but just tables just set up for this wedding feast. And we all stand up and Jesus takes the head up there and we all raise our glasses to King Jesus in hallelujah. You redeemed us with your blood and we're here in your kingdom for eternity. Can you see it? And Lawrence is there. He's waiting for us. They're waiting for us, our family members. It says in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us as adoption to the sons of Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This was God's good pleasure, that he would see us adopted into his family, seated in the heavenly places, ready, it says, to lavish on us in the eons to come. Eons to just show us these things and bless us with these things and reveal to us these things in his presence. In verse 7, it said, we, in, in verse 7 of the same chapter, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, in which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, in which he uh, purposed in himself, that at the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and them on earth, in earth, in him, in him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who are first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him 
You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you were also, uh, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise and the glory. Amen. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, we're preaching about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He's also a seal. And I'm thinking a seal. It's like a, a, a fresh bottle of wine has a seal on that. You know, they put a cork in that and then they put something around it and it says that thing is sealed. Or you read the book of Revelation. He has that scroll that everybody in heaven was looking at that. And it was in the hand of the Father and people were crying and they're like, who's worthy to open the seals? Who's, open, who's worthy to open this thing? And it says nobody was found in heaven, on the earth or under the earth to break those seals. And John was weeping. People were like, they're just quiet. It's like, what are we going to do? Is the condition of the earth going to continue on the way it was? And then I saw a lamb that looked like it was slaughtered from the lion of the tribe of Jews. I saw the lamb of God go up and grab that scroll from the father's hand. And he had the authority because he conquered sin and death. He had the authority of the father as a man to redeem what was lost in the garden. And says, we're going to do this. And now it's time. I've already conquered, but just like what it says in Hebrews, we have not manifested yet that victory yet. It looks like the devil's getting over right now. It looks like CNN is winning, but it's not. Right? It's over. The game is over already. There's nothing the devil can do, but we're just playing this thing out, and we're on the winning team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It goes on, verse 15, it says, Therefore, also after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in him. Do you know that we can ask for these things? We can ask, Lord, I need wisdom. I need revelation. That when I read this word, that it's not just a flat word, but it's depth to it. That you, you match scripture to scripture and revelation from the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden it takes on a whole new dimension. And you're like, wow, that's what that means. And by that, it, it, it's something like pinballs in your brain. And it's like, whoa, that scripture matches with this scripture. And if this means this, then this is connected to that. And that's where we have an inheritance. We're already sealed by the Holy Spirit. Nobody can touch this. We're sealed. And part of that seal, I was listening to somebody preach on this because I wanted to gain wisdom of this. What does this really mean? I, I don't know if it's that cord back there. But um, to be sealed is saying when once you got born again, you started your journey. You have entered into eternal life at that point. But in Hebrews, it also talks about let's move on from here. Let's move on. Let's move on to those things that God, we're manifesting more of who Christ is, why he apprehended us, what he wants us to do, what is the purpose he created us, what are the giftings, what are the talents that he wants us to manifest. Let's stop the elementary things and let's move on. We're already saved. We have entered into a chamber, but we're headed down to sanctification. It's like somebody were to lock all these doors. I'm in the building in Haile Miley. I'm sealed in here, but I want to go to that back room. 
I want to go to that back room. And that back room is the fullness of what God has. And so as I'm transversing through this room, I'm going through, I'm getting closer and closer and closer to that door. But I'm already sealed. My salvation is sealed, but I'm still in process. I'm being sanctified. Does that make sense? And that changes everything. Because a lot of times, if we don't understand that, we're doing things because, is this acceptable, God? Am I good now? Are you listening to my prayers now? I've always listened to your prayers. The ones you were in Christ, you're already beloved but now we are manifesting more and more and more and it's not because we're trying to gain favor with God we already have favor with God and we're trying to occupy those things that he already has given to us and we're moving closer and closer to that goal that's a very important principle because what that does it negates the enemy nagging at us well you see he did that now you're not saved no you're not accepted by God that's all lies lies we're sealed already sealed in Christ and we want to have more revelation more knowledge I think it's tied into obedience when we operate in obedience then revelation opens up more authority opens up we're able to do more things in Christ as we walk in obedience amen that's the accelerator on the program right there Spirit of wisdom, this is verse 18, that the eyes of her understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of the inheritance of the saints. What are the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heaven in the heavenly places. Once again, it's this constant Hebrews here, seated, completed, positionally I see you seated already in heavenly places I see the power of God in you above all principality and power might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but that which is to come he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all we are the body of Christ. We're seated in heavenly places. If we are Christ's body, it says he's put all things under his feet. In position, God sees us as seated with Christ in heavenly places and everything's put under our dominion. It says that he's, he has dominion over every principality and power. You know what those are? Those are the host of ruling wickedness over this planet. That when we're in Christ and we understand our authority, we can do warfare against those things. We can, we can tear down strongholds. We can tear down things that are hindering. We can pray. You know, and we pray uh, on the mornings over here. We have our war room over there. And I believe that we see God do things. Amen? Amen. We've seen rain come recently. Because it wasn't raining here. And we went and we, uh, we canvassed this island with prayer. And we've been praying for rain. And God is the one who determines if there will be rain. When there's persistent sin on the land, there should be a natural flow of rain according to the book of Genesis. But he says when the people are persistently sinful, I can withhold the rain. And you see that happening throughout the earth right now. Do you hear about the rumors of droughts? And I saw Lake Shasta. It was like sad. In California, this guy was driving. He goes, 
This is how desperate people are in California for to just keep up a normal facade. And he was driving down this trail that went all the way down. And he just kept going. He had a drone following him. And he's just going down and going down. And, and he said, you see up there on the top? That's the tree line where the water used to be. And he's going down and going down and going down and going down and going down. And there's this narrow strip of water and all these trailers and wood, launching boats into this little tiny body of water. Because we want to act like this is normal. And the water is just drying up. Without water, we don't have life. I don't know what's going to happen when these reservoirs go dry. Where do all these people go? You know, there's places in the mainland can't flush their toilets. They they turn on the tap water and mud comes out. This black water comes out because the, the reservoirs are down. And I'm just praying that we get that desperate as this nation. And we cry out to God and God sends rain. That's what we're praying for. Because you don't have life without water. That's the first thing. Jesus says, I am that river of living water. He who thirsts, let him come to me. Out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. We know about the story about Elijah. When it was just pagan worship, Baal worship, satanic stuff going on. And he says, there's not going to be any rain for three and a half years. Boom. And he goes away. And then there's a showdown between these principalities of Baal and Jehovah God. And he says, we're going we're gonna to have a showdown today. If my God is God, let him show up by fire. And he says, cut that sacrifice. So you get the prophets of Baal, the 400 or whatever they were. And they're over there making their thing. Oh, they're jumping around and come on. And he says, the God who answers by fire, fire comes down from heaven and consumes this sacrifice. They slaughtered a bull and put it on some wood and put it over there. And he said, they're jumping around and they're screaming and they're doing whatever they're doing. And, and it's getting late and, he, and the prophet is mocking them. Well, maybe, you're, maybe your God is, is, is gone. Maybe he's in the bathroom or something. And he's just you know mocking them like that. And he says, okay, bring my sacrifice. Bring the sacrifice to Jehovah. He slices it up. He puts it on the wood. And he says, bring some uh, barrels of water. And he drenches it. And he drenches it. And he drenches it. I forget many times. Three or seven times. He just drenches it. Fills the whole thing up with water. And he calls on the name of the Lord. And the Lord God hurls from heaven. Fire comes down. Hits that sacrifice. Licked up all the water. The wood. The sacrifice. Woom! It just consumed it. And he says, God, Jehovah God is God. We have the, we have the authority to call upon the name of the Lord. And him do miraculous things on our behalf. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says that we have this authority. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. That we can call upon his name. And he would do in accordance with his will. It says in verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, which is the devil, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted yourself in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the others. Every one of us here. We played the game. We were sinners. We're running with the world, man. We're running with the pack, right? Until the Lord got our attention and says, man, that is not good anymore. 
And the repentance, the spirit of repentance fell upon each one of us. We were just like everybody else. Children of wrath. Given over to the lust of the flesh. The natural man. Well, if I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. Everybody else does. Right? Verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. It made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's plan. Salvation. From the base nature, each one of us, a child of Adam, turned into a child of God. Yes. Transformed by the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit, put on a track. Here it says that throughout the ages, Christ, when we come into that inheritance, seated in the heavenly place, when we come into that place, and even now, he says, throughout the ages, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I don't think we can really have an understanding of that until we see heaven. Jesus, Lord, King of all creation. And when he walks through his creation, all the angels and all the saints bowing down before him. Even the, I heard that even the flowers bow down when he walks by in heaven. The grass bows down when Jesus walks by. Because he's, he's, he made it all. And everything honors him. It says the trees of the field will clap their hands when they see the Lord coming. We cannot know this stuff yet. We can get a little glimpse. We can imagine it. But when we see it, we're going to, why would he save me, man? Why? Because God sees something in us that's very precious. He sees something in us that we had choices. We had choices. We could do this and do that and do this. But we, he caught our attention here like, by your grace, Lord, I'm saved. That I'm on a track. That I'm not of this world. I'm a soldier and I'm passing through. Lawrence found that out. He knew that. He was passing through. Seated in heavenly places. God sees this already completed in each one of us here. Sealed with your Holy Spirit. Seated in heavenly places. Here's your inheritance. Here's your eternal reward for having faith in my son. It cost him dearly to purchase this salvation for each one of us. Amen. Amen. Death for a saint is not a tragedy. Death for a saint is a victory. Death for a saint is a transition into eternity. We, on the other hand, grieve because we're not going to have Lawrence here. We're not going to have our brother who is so readily willing to help. You know, I got some plumbing things over here and I hope that he taught Isaiah enough that we can figure this stuff out. Right? And he was willing, always willing. One of the last things he did, I said, Lawrence, we're going to hook up a water heater. By He stayed after church on a Sunday, he and Isaiah, and hooked that thing up. You know, always willing. I heard from Pastor Sandy, some plumbing problems up at their new place over there. Always willing to help. Always willing to help. I pray, Lord, he'd be richly rewarded. from In a busy schedule that he had, always willing to help. Look at that list back there. We had this program, uh, this, this project that we're going to do at our place up there in Avalau. 
And I was telling him about it. Yeah, what I want to do is, is tear down some of those coffee trees and maybe we can get some trucks and just put some toe straps and pull them out. Lawrence is the first one on the list over there. First one to write his name down. It's coming up at the end of this month. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's pray.